So Donald Trump. Yeah, we're going to be the people to talk about <laughs> Donald Trump. It's, it's uh, what everybody is doing right now. We can't seem to stop talking about Donald Trump, apparently. Uh, I was so looking forward to it um, when, you know, he didn't become president again. I was like, oh, my God, is it possible that we will not have to hear Donald Trump's voice or see his face in the news every single day? Um, it turns out that that hope was... Um, perhaps a little mistaken granted it's a lot better i think <laughs> but yeah now we have two presidents face in the news every day instead of just one yeah it balances things out a little bit <laughs> so we decided to look at this chart and yeah. the transits of the moment because we had such a good time talking about someone who annoyed us last week love our marses that um, we decided that we were going mm -hmm. to look at the thing that's on the top of the headlines this week, which is um, Mar-a-Lago being raided by the FBI. And uh, so we pulled up Donald Trump's chart and we pulled up the transits of the moment to see what's going on. And we found some very interesting things. Uh, so if you want to follow along with your chart software, his birth data is the 14th of June. 1946, 1154 AM, Queens, New York. So what do you think of this mess? <laughs> well, uh, where do we start? Um, I mean, I know I've talked about uh, Donald Trump's chart before. Probably heard people talk about his chart. And I'm sure we'll end up talking about just what his chart signifies. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm immediately looking at <clears throat> transit-wise how um do have mars uh in taurus exactly on his midheaven right now yep um i was the first thing just, i saw too yeah and it's just separating from the conjunction with north node the north node in uranus in taurus in his 10th um mm -hmm. i haven't really put together what it means exactly but it's a, a repeat of a conjunction that he has uh natally uranus north node uh conjunct his sun um in the yeah. 11th house it's a different sign but like kind of a a repeat of of a theme um mm -hmm. in his birth chart and yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see some some events around that but just thinking <laughs> about how mars is is right on his ascendant uh mid heaven well it's natally right on his ascendant oh natally then, i mean yeah 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 and now mars is like on another angle like you know, Mars is obviously mm -hmm. um, an important planet for Donald Trump in his life mm -hmm. and character. And um, yeah, this is interesting because I've been kind of surprised by Mars and Taurus lately. Um, How so? Because it's, it's been a, a reasonably favorable transit for me overall. I was expecting it to totally suck having a, um, a day chart and a you know, handful of planets in, in Taurus uh, that yeah. I care about a lot. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's actually been like pretty favorable uh, for me overall. And Mars and Taurus, I'll see sometimes in, in birth charts as having this uh, quality of, um, I mean, it, it is a theme that uh, comes up around planets and detriment. Um, it's that sort of, subverting expectations quality uh but you'll get mars sort of like i don't know it's almost like it's on this um revenge trail or something like uh, it seems to be like attacking men in, in um powerful positions um specifically men it seems to me uh interesting in powerful positions i, I don't know but it's I have not been following the news as um, avidly as I would like to, but um, it does seem like there's like a lot of uh, it's the word I'm looking for, like the past sort of coming back to, to haunt people. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, that 
his perfection here is in Sagittarius, which for him is in the fifth house. So there's a, uh, one of the nicknames of the fifth house is the uh, house of karma. And uh, he, he has the south node and the moon in the fifth house. So it's like he's got, you know, in evolutionary astrology, the south node is associated with karma. It's like he's got double karma going on in his perfection year. So it gives me this idea of kind of like chickens coming home to roost. And um, Saturn is edging up on his descendant. Uh, not not currently because Saturn is retrograde. So it's like Saturn's at 22 degrees and it's going to keep moving backwards, but it's like applying to his moon. Or no, it's it's applying to the moon right now. Excuse me. Um, but it's, it's, it's retrograde. So it's moving away from the descendant, but overall, um, you know, of course, over time, Saturn's going to go direct and then it's going to be hitting that 29 degree ascendant again, which is, uh, you know, one of the names of the seventh house is the house of, of open enemies. So, and rivals. So it's like, he's got Mars on the midheaven. He's got Saturn, uh, eventually going to get to the descendant within, within orb, I think. Um, and he's got, um, that that fifth house stuff going on really strongly this year being really highlighted. And um, one of the significations of Jupiter that I think doesn't get enough attention is Jupiter's association with justice. Um, in, in ancient Greek religion, uh, Zeus was the arbiter of justice. And uh, so Jupiter is, of course, going to be the ruler of that fifth house year. And um, Jupiter right now is in his ninth house, which is like in, in ancient astrology, the ninth house was the house of the gods. So it's like, I can, I can see him, you know, it's like Jupiter is on the warpath in Aries. And I don't know, I, I think that you're right, that this is a moment where, you know, powerful men are bring being brought to justice and being brought down. But I think that he's particularly in the crosshairs, given everything that's going on right now. It's like he's really seeing the fruits of his labors in a way that he doesn't usually tend to do because of um, you, you mentioned the the way that the that Saturn is um, besieged in his chart. Yeah. Um, sorry, I have a background noise going on right now. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, there's a lot actually going on. Um, thinking about that Saturn and how it's approaching the descendant, um, and approaching a an opposition with Mars, uh, which is very close to Trump's ascendant. Um, right. And Saturn. You know, it can be tricky because Saturn in Aquarius, it's kind of dignified Saturn. So it's sort of like mm-hmm. representing the, the common, the common man, you know, or, or the, you know, <laughs> the people in a sense, the, the underprivileged to some degree, sort of against the establishment. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not always, you know, for the better, but it, if I was looking at it as a transit, it's like, oh, you're, you know, uh, Mars, uh, your Mars activities, you know, might be... Um, called into question you know sometime around around now uh or over the the coming months or years or even leading up yeah. to now and it's interesting because you have uh uh an eclipse in his birth chart um and he's you know least presumably ruled by the sun uh his first house is ruled by the sun so it's an important planet to him for him um he has the sun on the north node moon right on the south node uh, and that would look like if it was during the nighttime, if you were able to like see the moon, you would see, uh, like a blood moon, um, which sounds <laughs> ominous and sometimes describes rather ominous things. 
um, in charts and in transit. But uh, mm-hmm. looking at solar return, he actually has a full moon um, on his ascendant in Sag. And it's really pretty close to his natal full moon. And there's something about that. Um, I don't know. These like he might be kind of tied to these full moon cycles right now, or, or just in general. Yeah. But um, the moon also, you know, as a Leo rising, like it rules the twelfth house, so it has all the moon jobs and all that. But it kind of has the twelfth house job, and mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump has a rather complex twelfth house. Um, he's Venus, he really does. Mercury. And Saturn, all in Cancer in the 12th. Uh, and he has Saturn uh, <laughs> in this position that um, we call, technically speaking, it's a benefic enclosure. So it's uh, Venus. I knew is, I was blanking on the word for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not as like awesome maybe all the time as um, you might expect if you were like reading a lot of traditional literature but Mm. uh it does seem to protect uh people when they have one of these uh to some degree and it to me (laughs) it seems to describe um saturn and cancer nobody no offense to anybody with saturn and cancer you know uh, uh plays out in lots of different ways but um there's something to me about donald trump that has just always kind of seemed like this big nasty baby uh, that has been enabled and supported <laughs> his whole life. And mm. it's like he just kind of will be what he does is he just kind of whines all the time about, about this yeah. and that. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to get into like a, you know, it's not very professional to just say Donald Trump's a big, nasty baby, but um, may not be an inaccurate assessment. But uh, suffice to say that Saturn. In the 12th, um, you know, while it, it has some sort of accidental dignity in the 12th by some systems, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's all sort of pointing towards stuff that will maybe drag him down um, at some point, possibly, yeah. get him into trouble periodically. And you have this kind of Saturn confrontation happening, um, like right on his mm-hmm. ascendant. Uh, you have Mars square Saturn in the sky. Mars is on his midheaven. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a lot of stuff <laughs> that is sort of mirroring his chart. Um, yeah. In a weird way. And uh, yeah, I've been talking for a long time. I have like five more things to say, but I'm going to give you a chance to, to speak. Well, I, I want to, you know... If if you love Trump, honestly, obviously you, you're not going to agree with me. Um, yeah. And and if you love Trump, you probably have the instinct to not listen to this episode, and unless you're a person who who likes to get mad, because I, I exist, I suppose. Pretty pretty clear about how we feel about things, but I I think that like assuming you're not a MAGA person, I I think that there is this instinct that people tend to have around Trump that like it's fair to hold him responsible for the way that he behaves. And like Mm -hmm. part of that is just, you know, he's a guy with an incredible amount of power. We don't, we won't know until they release his tax returns if he is as financially powerful as he says he is, but he was the president of the United States for four years. Like that puts him in an incredible position of power. Even if he was being um, corralled by his bureaucrats, thank goodness. Um, and so, you know, if we've watched our Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And so just by virtue of who he is, I, you know, it's, it's difficult to punch down when you're talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, I think that there, there's that instinct is coming from something astrological as well. It's not just, you know, this is a former president who should be held to a very high standard of behavior. Um, 
there, there are astrological things too. Um, he has the moon on the South node and, um, in evolutionary astrology, the South node is things that you're moving away from. Uh, evolutionary astrologers have the tendency to paint things that are conjunct the South node in a bad light. Um, but planets conjunct the South node are also planets that you have a lot of experience with and a lot of, um, you should have a lot of skill with them. It's like um, South Node planets are kind of like kitchen knives for a chef. You know, if you have been a sushi chef for forty five years and you don't know how to use your knives, like people are entitled to call you incompetent because you've been a chef. You theoretically have had the chance to practice. You know five days a week you've been doing that for 45 years like you know maybe you're not going to be like jiro but you should be competent at using this tool and well, yeah you, you pretend to the Trump, position of chef so you, yeah, you should be held yeah exactly standards right exactly exactly and and trump has the moon conjunct the south node and so in this metaphor the moon is i a tool that he should be very adept at using. He should be very adept at being emotionally healthy, uh, controlling his emotions when it's appropriate, emotional self-care. And he's got all of these planets in cancer in the 12th house. And, you know, normally, you know, you would cut somebody a lot of slack. You'd be like, okay, you know, the 12th house is really difficult to work with. Um, he's got a lot of planets there. They're, they're in cancer, which, um, you know, I, I have cancer in the 12th. So for me, cancer is difficult to work with. So I am apt to give people who have cancer placements more of the benefit of the doubt than maybe I otherwise would. Um, but he, it's like, yeah, he's been, he was born with these difficult placements, but, but he should also be able to use those placements with a high degree of skill, considering where his moon is. Like, I would be personally much more apt to cut him some slack with the way that he uses his son because he is the sun conjunct the North node, which means that it, you know, in evolutionary astrology, he was in a position in a past life where um, he was not able to grow and express a healthy ego. And so when I look at, you know, the sun conjunct the North node in a chart, granted I'm biased because I have the sun conjunct the North node in my chart as well. I'm inclined to say, you know, when somebody shows ego problems, when they're either over egotistical or um, they have trouble showing up in the world, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a new tool for for them. And so, you know, people tend to beat up on on Donald Trump for being overly egotistical. And I'm like, eh, you know, he's he's not really used to using this tool. We should cut him some slack. But the moon, I cut him zero slack for the moon because it's like, you know, it he he came into this world with gifts and he has thrown them away and decided not to use them. And it's almost like you can see him coming, coming into this world and being like, but they made it too hard because he got like a level five chart when theoretically he should be like at level 50 in using these skills. It's just like, I think that he deserves uh, to be held accountable for how he emotionally manipulates people and his lack of emotional regulation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I in this context would um, look at the moon on the South node specifically, even just with it being eclipsed. Is it, <clears throat> I mean, it usually uh, eclipses, they tend to indicate hidden things. Um, right. And the sort of obfuscation of of uh, the the light of what is visible, and the sun and mm -hmm. moon um, describe authority figures in different ways, um, but they're the lights of the sky. They're the luminaries. They are the uh, the source of power for all the planets in astrology. So they're important. Uh, but when you see one getting blocked out, um, you can get a lot of different themes. Um, not all of them bad, but some of them not so great. In fact, uh, <laughs> I did a, a series of ep uh, episodes, um, podcasts that will one day return, but 
is on hiatus called Killer Cosmos and uh, featuring covered two serial killers and both of them had um, South Node conjunction uh, Moon and Sun conjunct the South Node. So being eclipsed, a uh, different version of that eclipse. Oh, wow. Um, and actually, humorously enough, uh, Tristan and I on Astrology Hotline did a Halloween episode and we rectified um, kind of spooky character charts and I did Jason Voorhees' chart and actually um, he shares a birth date with with Donald Trump, apparently, <laughs> which is, really? is kind of a, a funny, a funny thing. Um, but where was I going with this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm, I would be a little uh, skeptical about the way um, Donald Trump might teach, um, uh, sorry, treat moon matters. Um, uh, maybe women or, or feelings or emotions, uh, manipulation for sure. Like using it as kind of a tool, uh, harnessing it in a way, um, that, uh, is maybe bent towards transgressing, um, an established structure of some kind, uh, Mm. And that's maybe one of the the general themes, and it's like, whoa, you you get kind of a literal one here. Is is you do have somebody who um, tried to, uh, at least allegedly, but come on, people, um, overthrow the government. Uh, That's Mm. what eclipses are about. Um, And maybe it's we should be grateful that he has all this stuff in in the twelfth. Maybe is that could be dragging it down a little bit. Uh, but you know, Mars and the Ascendant, like there, there's just so much in this chart that's not making a great case for, um, a person who is very self-regulating. Um, yeah. and maybe that inability to self-regulate, uh, and lack of responsibility. Um, it, the description maybe is also like that might being, be supported for a time being. Um, but probably not forever. And especially when you get, um, the fixed stars involved. Uh, you have Regulus. Um, his ascendant is actually exactly conjunct Regulus. Uh, oh, almost wow. to the minutes, within a degree for sure. Um, Regulus is one of the, the four royal stars and maybe the most royal of all of them. And it tends to promise a certain amount of uh, status and authority and power. But they're sort of written into the the story around Regulus and a lot of the other fixed stars is this sort of um, story around shooting yourself in the foot in some way or bringing yourself down. And it's like a sort of adding to a theme in his chart that already kind of has this sort of story of, of getting yourself into trouble. Um, but I don't know. And this is where I, I almost like I, I don't want to look sometimes because I'm like, uh, do I dare hope? that justice will be served do i do i dare hope that um this human will be called out for who he actually is and what he's actually done and you know the chaos and destruction that he has caused the damage that he's done to institutions you know uh it's hard (laughs) to look at sometimes how long it's gone on how long he's continued to, to get away with it and uh i that's why I, I almost can't read too much into the news and him getting raided and stuff right now. I'm like, well, you know, we've seen him look like he was about to get taken down before, but, but is he right? You know, he has he's almost like a untouchable quality. Uh, yeah. Somehow, somehow he ends up just, you know, he's probably actually broke, but somehow he still gets to, to live the life of a, a fabulously rich person. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to mention that I find really interesting because it's something I've been studying for a while, I'm trying to get uh, a cleaner handle on, is the fixed star Algol, which mm. um, is on uh, Donald Trump's MC, um, and Mars is actually making a conjunction to it uh, right about nowish, and you you get a theme around Algol. Which this part of it, I'm like, eh, you know, it, it's considered a, one of the most unfortunate thick stars in astrology. Not right. a great reputation. It's associated with Medusa and like decapitation, death and violence. Uh, and those themes do come up um, when Al Gol's involved in the birth chart. Not always. 
Um, but you also like uh, astrological right. magicians will use algol um, to make talismans of like protection. Um, or you know more dark magicians will will use it to, to get revenge on others, to get revenge on people who have transgressed them. And you'd get a theme around uh, just the story of Medusa, who was a high priestess, who was, um, I believe it was Neptune, the god Neptune. I, I don't, I can't remember which one, but he, he basically he he raped her um, and said that. Uh, God, I can't remember the whole story, but I think it was his wife that basically blamed her for it. And um, then Athena, Pallas Athena, and there's sort of different versions of the story. One where she basically is like, ah, oh, you, you slut, like you're going to be a Gorgon now. Uh, another version where like, wow, I'm sorry, Medusa, like these dudes are awful. Uh, I'm going to make you a Gorgon now so you can protect yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. You get sort of two versions of the story, which one, I don't know, but you kind of get both symbolism <clears throat> playing out, but you get a theme around, um, it's not always specifically women, but just generally people who have been um, oppressed or harmed in some way, uh, kind of getting revenge, um, sort of turning, um, turning the destruction back against the persecutor, which is uh, mm. in the the Medusa myth, you get um, what's his name? The hero. Um, terrible with names. The guy that kills Medusa, he does so because he turns a mirror oh, on Medusa. And uh, it's her vision that turns people to stone. So basically he turns the mirror on her and Perseus. Get, gets her with her own Perseus, yeah. Gets her with her own uh, eye rays and, and then cuts her head off. Um, right. And you do get that sort of mirror uh, quality with Al Gol's like turning it back on people. And now you have Mars coming on, um, up on Al Gol. Mars is like square Saturn, it's square in his natal Mars. Um, it's approaching a square with his ascendant. And you got the regulus thing with the undoing and the, you know, the power and then falling from power. Um, it's a lot pointing to a dramatic takedown that I'm afraid yeah. to get too hopeful for because <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be disappointed because I got to be honest, I like a lot of people find him to be a very problematic human being. And I think that it will be the best thing in the world for him to be made an example out of, I'm sorry to say it uh, to people who might be offended by that, but it's just how I feel. And I, I don't think that, uh, we need to dance around it. it. It is what it is. He's a criminal. Like, and yeah, he's abused power. And we're America. And we, at some point, we had a, a belief around the idea that, uh, you know, we don't do that with power in America. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Um, or do we? I don't know. But at least not, not obviously. We do it. We do it in a, a way that you know we at least have some plausible deniability around it. But when you do it flagrantly, I mean, you know, that doesn't look so good. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very important part of the American narrative, whether it plays out in in fact or not, that we have very clear separation of powers in the federal level for a reason. And uh, one of the things that's coming out in the I want to call it a trial, but I guess it's just some kind of inquest and Mm -hmm. in uh, Congress is that it looks pretty clear that separation of powers broke down. And that to me, even more than starting an insurrection, and I realize how uh, extreme this sounds, that breakdown of the separation of powers is more of a direct threat to the United States than directly starting a coup. Because a coup, you know, one, didn't succeed. And two, is only a threat to the power of the moment. But a an administration who was able to so thoroughly break down the separation of powers um, in the federal government the way that Trump's administration did is not just a threat to the the power of the moment. You know, a coup can be reversed. 
it's a threat to the very structure of who this nation is supposed to be. It is a fundamental betrayal of the values that the country holds most dear. And it's like, you know, you, you have somebody take power in a, in a, in an illegal way, you can throw them out of power. But if you break down the boundaries between the separate, you know, if you break down separation of powers in this country, like the government of the United States is so inefficient like, and and this is partly this is by design. You know, if you want things to run efficiently, you want a dictatorship. You want somebody who is able to make an order and have it carried out five minutes later. Yeah. And that's not what democracy is. That's not how democracy works. Democracy is incredibly slow, so that it is able to preserve the power of the people. And we've been watching that power be eroded in a systematic way with um, the way that voting districts are, are being drawn and gerrymandering oh, yeah. is, uh, you know, and courts this, this are ruling that a, a district Donald is. Trump, yeah. Oh yeah, go, go absolutely. Um, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, courts saying that a map is badly gerrymandered and then just upholding it anyway for, for no reason mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, But, you know, you're right that this has happened, has been happening since before Donald Trump. But the the separation of powers at the government level, to me, that is is the biggest betrayal. That is the the biggest expression of that Sun-Uranus conjunction in his natal chart. Yeah. Yeah, I... um... I mean, I, I would think that uh, just through my sort of uh, analysis, like Uranus, the North Node, and the Sun, um, the Sun being in a place where it's not terribly uncomfortable, you know, it does okay in Gemini, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. in a fairly prominent house. That's a, a rather excessive Sun. It, there's a lot. Yeah. And there's not really anything other than having the ruler in the 12th, which I don't know if so much drags down the energy, but drags down maybe the um the outcome depending mm-hmm. on it i you know it, it can get tricky with that but the main thing i'm thinking about is just how excessive the ego is with donald trump um right and then you get the double significator with the mars um on the ascendant yeah. which is a different kind of excessive heat <laughs> and dryness um mm-hmm but both of which is just a very inflamed kind of ego that wants to swallow. Um, it's like all consuming and hungry and with the North node is like, it's never enough. Like there's no satisfaction with the North node. It's just kind of more uh, expansion, taking more in, but not really having the stomach to, to digest, digest or, or hold it. Um, so it's a it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot going on uh in terms of sort of political metaphors and i i almost want to like digress a little bit on yeah. what i was saying before about like i think i was trying to make a point about um you know the u.s is not we're not saints here politically you know yeah a long no. history of no, no. of oppression and doing not so nice things and not being super democratic in lots of different ways um mm-hmm. But we at least have like some sort of semblance of like a, a principle, and like I think you pointed it out well is that sort of transition of power that we sort of honor, and we have certain traditions that we honor. Um, and Donald Trump will do the thing where it's very transparent and obvious what he's doing, but he is able to do it in such a way where he does sort of create this this cloud uh, of plausible deniability like oh not me mm-hmm. you know well i kind i said this <laughs> i didn't do this i didn't tell them to attack the capital uh like which is <laughs> with the eclipses and like the the sort of hidden <laughs> hidden quality which is honestly how you take down a system is is you don't attack a right. system uh directly 
you undermine it. You uh, plant uh, ideas and, and people and, you know, you erode the structure of it from beneath and watch it crumble. And uh, right. I don't think that, you know, in all fairness, like, do I think he's a, a damaging, corrosive figure? Absolutely. But I mean, he's almost more of a symptom of a longer term process and, and problem that has been pervasive in this country for a long time. So, you know, it's almost like regardless of what happens with him, though I think it's important, um, you know, we still have work to do. Uh, I think sometimes we, yeah. we like to like project things onto a figure and say, oh, they're the, the reason for this. And if we just get rid of this person and the right thing happens to them, then oh, we're we're saved. But that's never the case. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the the United States is going through a Pluto return right now on top of all of this. Yeah, and it's opposing so, his, like, uh, Saturn and Venus too. Yeah, yeah. As you were talking, I was like thinking about those those Pluto chickens coming home to roost, mm-hmm. and um, it's it, it's interesting having um, having that opposite his twelfth house planets because it's like you know you you pointed out, and I think it's such a great point that um, having the ruler of his son be in the 12th house, um, especially I think with it being an aversion means that, you know, the outcome for him doesn't, doesn't look especially good. And so the question that I always ask is, you know, why, what does this mean? And it's like, I can see this story here of, you know, he, he had this tool, this moon that he was supposed to be really good at using. He has, um, the these planets in cancer in the 12th house and what is going to be his undoing his mouth the way that he treats other people um with venus there you know and especially with the moon's involvement it's kind of like a double confirmation you know is is the way that he treated women going to be part of his his self-undoing i hope so um but regardless of the gender you know Venus's relationships and his his relationships are going to be part of his self undoing, and then Saturn, their um, lack of personal responsibility, um, lack of emotional control and regulation, um, and Saturn also rules you know the structures of society and like his relationship with the structures of society, which is super mm-hmm. dysfunctional. Um, you know, it, it looks like that's going to be part of his undoing as well. And I mean, well, the thing maybe with Regulus too is is it's almost like you're in charge of your of your own undoing is kind of the the story mm. with Regulus often. Um, I do want to just mention something real quick that I just noticed, uh, mainly mm. because not that it's super relevant but i mean that might be relevant uh but mainly because i'm just trying to figure out what um i've talked about in tisha a little bit before we talked about it on a previous episode specifically with cancer and gemini and i just noticed that um he has the sun at 22 degrees gemini and mercury at eight degrees of cancer which means that they um are in a antitial relationship uh almost exactly by degree because um they're both eight degrees away from that cardinal cusp of cancer. And this would be a case where Mercury ruling the sun, um, it would be potentially, and how I've been sort of interpreting it and looking for more evidence of is is being kind of a mitigation for the aversion. Like they see each other uh, or they have like each other's phone numbers or like, uh, but there's like a shadow component to it, which just is, uh, just keeps showing up in his chart. It's just this like shadow and smoke and mirrors thing, which makes me really hesitant to even try to predict an outcome here. Um, which I don't usually make a huge practice of doing, but uh, I'm just thinking about Mars about to hit Al Gol on his MC and what we were, I was talking about earlier with the mirror thing. <laughs> it's like, is Mars uh, Trump's friend? whose friend is it um is it is he gonna weasel his way out of it 
by you know throwing um, a mirror up at at uh, the his persecutors in some way or or what? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm like, you know, I <laughs> prediction is is definitely not my forte, and it's definitely not mm-hmm. something that I um I claim to do. So I was. It was one of those moments where I was really surprised to hear predictive astrology coming out of my mouth. But sometimes, <laughs> you know, especially with Mars and Gemini, I, uh, I I find myself saying things and I'm like, okay, well, that's that's not <laughs> that's not who I usually am. But mm-hmm. um, I I don't know. Like you're you're right he's he's really good and he's gotten away with a lot of stuff but i just i have this instinct that you know it can't and maybe this is just my super optimistic um leo rising but i'm just like it can't last forever it can't and i i mean obviously it can't because you know he's he he's mortal though and so like you know even if this can go on he becomes time but go ahead i know but he can't carry on in injustice after he's dead and like you know this is this is not any kind of Mm. threat to the the former president but it's like you know he's he's in his 70s now like eventually he's going to die of old age and he's not going to be able to pull this crap anymore. And mm-hmm. it just, it, it's difficult for me to believe that once his ego is no longer able to actively work on his own behalf, that those 12th house planets are not going to be, you know, it's hard for me to believe that they're going to continue to be prevented from keeping their promises, so to speak. Like, yeah, yeah, I, he might not care about his legacy, but he's going to get one regardless. I mean, he he does. He cares a lot about what people think about him. Um, I don't know about legacy or or I mean, yeah, I think that's. I don't know. Here's the thing with with Donald Trump, though. I, that maybe that I think, and maybe he ties into the chart, right? With um, I don't know. Eclipses have a way of making things sort of. Uh, there's something sort of superficial kind of about what they do because the eclipse mm. passes you know and then it's like oh sun mm-hmm. moon are still there uh but with him it's like i and like i said earlier it's like i don't think that donald trump is the the root of the problem like he's a symptom um or somebody mm-hmm. who just tapped into something that's happening he realized like oh if i just if i be the asshole version of myself that i am um there's people, suddenly people that just are love that, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. he'll, he'll work it. You know, he's a, he's a showman. Um, and he likes to be praised and he likes to, you know, um, mm-hmm. be the person that he is. <laughs> no need to dive into it, but it, it's a, <laughs> my point is that after he's say you wipe him off the slate, you still have the people, um, that he empowered the people that, uh, fell in love with him. The people that felt like when they saw him, they saw themselves being represented. They saw themselves uh, being empowered. And it's sort of like unleashing um, the sort of dark underbelly of America that maybe us in a polite um, suburban liberal society wanted to think was gone. Um but it was never gone. It was always there, uh, sort of like fermenting <laughs> under the surface. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I don't think that just goes away with him. I, I think that that's something that is present and does need to be maybe addressed out in the open. I'm hoping it doesn't need to be addressed in, in the form of a, a civil war or something. Um, mm. But unfortunately, it's, it's like kind of the story of America. I'm getting into a dark territory here. Just think about the Civil War and the the first American, the the American Civil War. It was this sort of stuff 
this problem in America that we tried to sweep under the rug for a long time. Um, right. And it's sort of like trying to make itself known, trying to be uh, forced towards a resolution of some kind um, until it just sort of, the, the bubble sort of bursts. And I, I, I dearly hope that that is not the case um, for us. It is interesting, though, that, you know, we have this thing with uh, Uranus and Gemini in the United States. Uh, right. And he does have the sun and the North Node conjunct Uranus and Gemini. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe to, to clarify, uh, World War II, uh, when Uranus was in Gemini, the U.S. goes to war. Um, Civil War occurred with Uranus and Gemini. And I think that the U.S. Right. has Uranus and Gemini in the Sibley chart. So it... It's what a lot of people are thinking, like, oh, boy, are we, you know, what's going to happen when it goes into Gemini again? Yeah, and there was a Uranus and Gemini return during the Civil War, four, four score and and seven years ago. Yeah, um, actually. Abraham Lincoln said and hit in the Gettysburg the Uranus, Address. Uh, yeah. And Uranus had returned uh, mm-hmm. seven, seven years, uh, three years before. It was and roughly so, Uranus cycle. Is it, what, 82 or 84 years? Yeah. 84 years. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's a, a really, really great point that you're raising. Like he was, he was born during the last Uranus return and we're coming up on another Uranus return and we're going through the Pluto return right now. And this is the first Pluto return and the, you know, that we're coming up on the third Uranus return. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, during the Uranus returns, we we've had, you know, things, things dug up in a way. Um, it's like, there's a, because the nation was born under a revolution, every time the revolutionary planet returns to the place where it was, there's some, some kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how, how world war two plays in, but you know, the, the civil war was a, a second revolutionary war in a way the mm-hmm. the south was staging a revolution and it, it just happened to get put down um but it, you know i i think that this returns haha to the pluto return in a way i mean pluto is the lord of buried treasure and it just so happens that the buried treasure that pluto is digging up this time is like you know, fermented shark liver that we buried on the beach yeah. 248 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, it's the thing is like, it may not seem like a treasure perhaps. Um, and it may not really be one, but I guess it's like, if you have like a, a body under the floorboards that's been fermenting and, and stinking up your house for years, you know, uncovering it uh-huh. might be a bit of a treasure because you can get rid of it. And, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, not a body, it could be a dead animal or something like, or just something that smells right. pretty bad. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I run into sort of a conundrum when I think about when I go down this line with astrology, cause I don't typically like to, um, and it's kind of in fashion a little bit right now. And it's like, I, I don't want to be part of like the fear mongering that maybe that oh, can create. Yeah. I, I don't want to create panic around, uh, these things or even like um, make that the job of astrology to like predict the future for us uh, because mm-hmm. even if we can, uh, I, I mean, I, I think that astrology, it's it's very poetic in the way that it uh, brings themes and stuff. It's why the prediction element, it's like, yeah, kind of, but eh, you usually get something maybe not quite so precise, but um, we're not going to be able to like say, hey, U.S. government, you know, this astrology is really suggesting that we could be in for another civil war. Uh, maybe we All should right. do something about this. You know, it's not like Uncle Sam's going to be like, you're right. Wow. That's so compelling. I think we need to change our ways. Um, yeah, I mean, Nancy like Reagan isn't in power anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, it's like you don't need to look, though, to astrology for this. You can see it. People are already talking about it that aren't astrologers. Yeah. Like they're, they're, there's a sense that, like, wow, we have some shit we need to sort out. Um, but, like, are we going to? I don't know. I don't know if astrology can answer that question either. It can kind of help. I mean, that's. Help you connect with it, but. Yeah. 
I mean, that's why I'm not shy about talking about these things because mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, you know, I have, I have Pluto conjunct the IC square, the AC and my moon, like I'm going to be a Plutonian mm-hmm. person anyway, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think that talking in terms of change, talking in terms of there being the potential for justice and talking about, you know, everybody can smell what stinks. And, yeah. you know, they're half of the country is in the denial and the other half of the country can't breathe. And like, I, I think that looking at the astrology and saying, you know, in, in the past, chickens have come home to roost during times like these. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's talking in terms of cycles of history, which I'm much more comfortable with than um, just flat prediction. Um, but it's also giving people some hope, which, you know, is, is terrifying considering what we're talking about. Um, Cause it, these are really deep systemic problems that need to be fixed. I mean, there are, there are so many things that, that we haven't talked about that we've referenced vaguely, like, you know, the civil war was obviously dealing with the, the specter of, of slavery and the way mm-hmm. that the United States has treated people who are not white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Um, but there, there are all so, so many other things, the class issues that we have, um, issues that we have with, um, Native Americans and the way that they have been treated by this country, um, the way that we have promised to take care of people who need help and we have betrayed that promise. Um, Yeah. But the hope (laughs) that there could be some kind of justice, I, I think... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the things that's getting me through right now. I mean, I there's still occasionally part of me that that hopes <laughs> for. <a better laughs> I mean, I, I I definitely do think that it's possible um, that we can, you know, improve. And, and I guess like overall, when I I and I, it's interesting you brought up history and like the cycles of history and that really being kind of what astrology is in a lot of ways um maybe like a more poetic version of that i don't know you get a lot of historians um or a lot of astrologers who were from formerly uh historians who study history myself included um yes and i think it's because is that that idea that maybe if you can grasp you know history you can grasp human nature and figure out what it is that you know we need as a people to stop making the same fucking mistakes over and over again uh i think that's maybe part of what drives it a little bit um at least for me Mm -hmm. uh and you know that is basically what astrology ends up describing is cycles of history and when you you know we're getting these like we're seeing the cycle come back again like what are we going to do about it now um and you can look to the past and you brought up you know our relationship with uh, just slavery is a good example because it's the way we treat uh, these topics will often kind of have these half measures for a long time that don't end up mm-hmm. um, addressing really <laughs> the actual problem. Because um, even mm-hmm. like making slavery legal in the North um, didn't really end slavery. It didn't really uh, terribly improve. The, the, I mean, it improved certainly the circumstances of, of african-americans in terms of, of not being slaves anymore but the um right they're still oppressed in, in so many other ways that we're still working out today and right. Right. um yeah i guess it's the double uh edged sword that we're always dealing with um with democracy is you know a dictatorship like you said before is very efficient we can make things happen very quickly um it's just whose things are you making happen uh, who right. those things serve. And we have this sort of slow, cumbersome democracy for a reason so that, you know, uh, the decisions about where to turn the ship um, are a symptom of, you know, something that is at least approaching or trying to create, be, be derived from a, a idea of consensus. Um, mm-hmm. But, 
you know, there's ways that that falls short. What did Benjamin Franklin say was that, uh, that democracy is the worst system of government, except for all the other ones. And, you know, it's, we don't have a perfect system. Um, and I remember being in a, uh, international relations class, we were talking about theory and I remember being really shocked when, um, you're talking about democracy and systems of government and how one kid, this is several years ago, just, I don't know where it was, where sort of related like i did you know dictatorship sounds okay to me and then like a couple of other dudes were like yeah yeah oh yeah yeah you know like it's like there's a cynicism that's developed around democracy that i think maybe donald trump has tapped into um and i'm not saying it's the perfect symptom system but it's just it's like we're not i don't know it gets icky and complicated it's like uh you know, we have the same. I mean, this attitude has been. We, I was just going to say, we, we have this, to... they, I, <laughs> this thing called the Constitution that's sort of designed to protect us and keep us on a certain course. Um, but sometimes that even could theoretically need to be updated too. But then once you start updating it, yeah. you know, you open up the door to um, to a whole can of worms that you know is very threatening, but like how long can any one system last? Well, I mean, you tell me, but didn't Jefferson say that he thought that the constitution should be updated like once a decade? Oh, I hadn't heard of that, but that, that makes sense. And we've amended it. I mean, it sounds like him, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, there's a, an acknowledgement I think that has to happen uh, where, with Thomas Jefferson is that like this is a deeply problematic system. Um, it's just less problematic than all the other ones that that we've been using right. throughout human history. And there's almost like a, a nudge like this isn't maybe the final evolution um, of humanity. And, you know, maybe even acknowledgement that like, you know, no government, no system of government lasts forever. Um, it's just yeah. that it's really scary that that period of chaos where you know, the, the changeover happens, you know, what are you going to get? What are you going to, um, switch over to? Is it going to be better? It's gonna be worse for who? And I'm not mm-hmm. advocating, you know, I would, I would love to not be alive during the, the time period when that happens. I'm, I'm not an advocate for, for chaos or for overthrowing any governments. Um, but it, you know, they say, uh, may you, was it the old curse? May you live in interesting times. Falsely attributed to China, but yes, I, I, yeah. I think that the false attribution is is important there. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a part of me that would really love to see uh, another constitutional convention. Like, you know, I I don't yeah. want to see people running around the streets of Portland with guns any more than they already are. Um, yeah. But I would. I want to see a, a, a nationwide conversation, mm-hmm. a real, honest conversation about what kind of country we want to live in. But there is also a part of me that is, I, I think, a realist. I don't know if it's a realist or a cynicist that says, you know, if we had another constitutional convention, who would be holding the pen? And are they someone that I would trust? And yeah. it's difficult to believe that we could have another constitutional convention and not have the people who are in power right now be the ones who are in power at that convention. And it's just, you know, I, I, I've made my feelings about, about Trump clear. Um, But, you know, I'm, I am tired of the people who have been in power for way too long. And I, you know, I think it really says something that there was an article in the right-leaning uh, publication, The Hill, that was honestly calling for AOC to run for president. <clears throat> like, it was a really honest and thoughtful mm-hmm. article, I thought. And I just... I don't know if you blanked out or if you stopped. Oh. No, I didn't, I, I didn't blank out. I think... I think we're good, <laughs> but we've got 30 seconds left. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought. 
Uh, no, no, we're both good yeah, I, on Custer. The, the one thing that maybe is I've been thinking about for a while, um, I've been worried about is, is this idea that um, even you saying that you're tired, it's like there's a sense that like people maybe just don't want to be part of the same country anymore. And I don't know what that yeah. means for the future. I don't know either.